audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Life has changed a little bit. Changed a little bit. Some of you won't understand this. I'm, I'm going to speak to you young people just for a second. There was a period of time, young people, that your phones didn't have screens on them. Okay? I know that sounds strange, but, but not only that. When I, was, when I was the age of some of you, uh, there, there was not cordless phones. I mean, you, like, you had a leash on the phone. I mean, for lack of a better word, that's what it was. That way, that way if you had, as a mom and dad, you had a daughter or a son, you, you had a leash on them so they couldn't get away and talk about things that you didn't want them talking about. They could only go so far with the phone. Now, some young people learned how to close the door or slide that leash underneath the door, you know, for, for, for talking sometimes. Uh, yeah, but, but something that took place with those phones back then that I should say did not take place. I know a very, very few people that had something along these lines. And what I'm talking about is caller ID. I mean, caller ID has, has changed a lot, a lot of things. All right? Um, I have found out through personal persecution, okay, that, <laughs> I use that term very loosely, that there are towns in the, in the state of Kansas that I've never even heard of before, okay? And they find these little towns, and they call from these little towns, and you know who I'm talking about. Now, they are people, people, okay? So we, we need to understand, and they've got to earn a living. And if you ever want to get off the phone with a telemarketer really, really quick, I learned this from JB's wife, Jen, who's, who's, who also works here at church, is, is you start preaching to them, and you get off the phone with them really, really, really fast, Okay? So, caller ID has kind of changed some things for us because we know this. Sometimes calls come at inopportune times. They do, and you think in your mind, I can return this call later. Matter of fact, we even have, we even have default text messages that we can go to, call you back in a little bit or something. I'm mean, just hit the button, boom, it goes out just like that. But you know, you know that all of us have our list. And for some of us, that list is one person. For some of you, it might be 10 people. But if they call, it does not matter what's going on. You will answer the phone. Now, I found out after the first service from Steve and Karen Fry that Steve Fry has no list. (laughs) I don't know. I think Karen was a little frustrated with him that she's not on his list (laughs) for when the call comes. We'll leave that to them. Bill, they been in your class yet? They might need to do it again. They flunked? (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah, there's a few on our list that that call gets answered no matter what is going on. Here's a question. What happens when the Lord calls at an inopportune time? Because we're going to see that happen by example today. Now, I told you, historically speaking, where we're at in our account today. Let me let you know a little more a little more detail about this. There was a man that had the name Elkanah. He had a wife named Hannah, and he had another wife, Pennant. I mean, it's, it, was, it was a soap opera, okay? I mean, that is not a good situation in any way whatsoever. Okay. One of the wives could have children. Hannah could not. And she prayed to the Lord that she could have a child. And she made this... I don't know if what you would call it. It's not really making a deal with the Lord. I don't even know what you call this, bargaining with the Lord. She basically said, if you would give me 
child, I will give that child back to you. And the Lord heard her prayer, and she had a young boy. The boy's name, as we will see, was Samuel. And she followed through on the arrangement. See, in that time, there, there, there was no temple in Jerusalem. There was not even Jerusalem yet, folks, okay? And the temple of the Lord that was under the direction of a man named Eli, we're going to learn a little bit about today, the temple of the Lord was in Shiloh. And after, after young Samuel reached about toddler age, tell me how difficult this would be, moms. The son you waited so long for, she took him to the temple and told Eli, he will stay with you. And she would visit him once a year. Now the Lord saw what she did, and he saw her faithfulness, and the Lord was faithful to her. She had three more sons and two daughters. But this isn't about Hannah. This is about Samuel, who is now living under the direction and under the supervision of Eli the priest. And Samuel, as we will see, was still just a child when the Lord came calling. And one of the things we'll see when we look to Samuel, we're going to look mostly, as I said, at 1 Samuel chapter 3, but we're going to spend some time in chapter 2 as well. And we're going to see that this call of the Lord came to Samuel in a time of crisis. Let me tell you something, folks. Crises could be, they can be quite subjective. I mean, there might be some of us in this room, some of you in this room who are going through some level of a crisis right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's some, some physical battle. Uh, maybe perhaps it has to do with a job or something going on in, in, in the family. I mean, like I said, they, they can be quite subjective. But I would say most likely, now not fully, but most likely I would imagine someone today in the Ukraine would see crisis a little bit differently than us right now. And their definition of crisis would probably look just a little different. Now when Samuel is a child, when he was a child, the, the, the nation of Israel was in crisis in a variety of ways. First of all, their enemies across the border were continually battling with them and oppressing them. The, the nation was Philistia, and they were called the Philistines. Okay? So they've got that going on. On top of it, I told you that, that you have judges. Now, now when judges ends, there's, there's another little bitty account in there by the name of Ruth. That's kind of a little precursor to the kings of Israel showing up. But time-wise speaking, when you have Judges end and 1 Samuel starting, you're not talking about a lot of years in between here. And when you read the end of Judges, what you will find is these words. In the nation of Israel, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in his or her own eyes. Does that sound like fun? That's a recipe for disaster, folks. Everyone just did whatever they wanted to do, whatever was right to them. That's like Lord of the Flies stuff talking about here, okay? So that's what's going on. And the nation of Israel was in crisis. But even in these dark times, there are those who come to sacrifice to the Lord and to seek the direction of the Lord. As I said, there was a temple in Shiloh, and Eli was in charge of that temple. He was a priest. Now, Eli had a couple of sons. One's name was Hophni, the other was Phinehas. And how do I describe these two guys? 
uh, it, simple terms, corrupt idiots, okay? I mean, this is biblical, guys. So let's just take a look at it. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. It sums up these two fellers quite well. And this is what it says about them. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Okay, so these two men were serving as priests under the direction of their father Eli. They're serving as priests. And did you catch this? They're not only worthless, they didn't know the Lord. That's not a recipe for success, spiritually speaking. All right? Now, a little bit more about these two fellows. Um, they took the best of the sacrifices for themselves. You've got to remember, there is not a lot of people in Israel right now offering sacrifices. It's a rough period of time. So you've got people showing up to offer sacrifice. Now, now, biblically speaking, it makes it very, very clear. You offer something to the Lord, especially in Old Testament times, you offered of the best of what you had. So you have these people bringing the best of their flocks to offer as sacrifice. And then, now understand, this, is, this was very, very kosher, very legal. The, those who served in the temple would eat part of what was brought to the temple. I mean, they had to eat, okay? So, so there was an entire process of how they would get meat from these sacrifices. But let me tell you, these two sons... Phinehas and Hophni, they didn't follow the rules. You see, they wanted the ribeyes, okay? They didn't want the sirloins. Uh, 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 let me tell you, there's a difference between the ribeye and the sirloin. If, if, you, don't, if you don't know that, uh, it's more different than just the price on the menu, okay? There is a big difference between the two. Okay, so they were taking of the best, the Bible tells us in chapter 2, by force. This is like a mafia type of thing. Because the people complained about this. And they had no room to go anywhere with this. So this is first of all what they're doing. They are profaning the sacrifices given to the Lord. Now on top of that, they not only did this, they, they committed adultery with some of the women who served at the entrance of the temple. Now, these are the spiritual leaders of the nation. By their very actions, they discouraged the few who wanted to honor the Lord. And if this takes place in the eyes of the Lord, there will be judgment. And Eli is very, very, he knows what's going on. This isn't being done in a corner. So let's see what Eli does about this. Look in chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. This is Eli speaking to his sons. He said to them, Why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. So we have Eli warning his sons, but he does not do anything to back up his warning. He does not discipline them in any way whatsoever. So this is what we have going on when this call to Samuel comes. We have Israel oppressed physically by the Philistines and oppressed spiritually by these worthless religious leaders. 
And let me tell you something. Before it was all said and done, the crisis would get a lot worse before it would ever get any better. So the call came in a time of crisis. Secondly, the call, the call was not comfortable. Think about how much we seek out comfort. I mean, have you ever seen, have you ever seen uncomfortable used in advertising? And I'm not talking about any sort of product talking about their competitors. I'm talking about their own thing. Have you ever heard a, have you ever heard a shoe ad like this? You wear the shoes that we make and you'll never fall asleep at work because your feet are going to hurt all day long. Sign me up. That's, that's what I want. How about this one? How about this one? Um, don't want a good night's rest? Buy our bed. You're not going to sleep at all. You're going to roll off the thing. It's, it's not going to work for you, okay? I mean, we have comfort when it comes to beds, homes, shoes. We've even got comfort food, people. I don't even know what that means, but I've experienced it, <laughs> all right? Is comfort overrated? I mean, seriously, is comfort overrated? Think about that for a moment. It takes a while. It takes a while. But the call will come. And Samuel will hear it. Samuel was not prepared for this call that would come in any way whatsoever. Listen to this here just for a second. Samuel came to the temple as a toddler. We understand that? He's been serving there a few years now. Scripture does make it very clear that he's still a boy. Okay, do we understand that? He is is still a boy. Let's take a look at it. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Here's what it says. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time, as Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. And the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. For one thing, that's just, that's just kind of crazy to me. He's, he's sleeping in the temple with the ark of the Lord. This is, this, is, this is an unusual situation. The Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Verse 7 is is a sad, sad verse, folks. I mean, Samuel has been raised in the temple to this point in his life. And look at verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. As I said, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He's been in the temple from the time he could start to talk. And he did not know the Lord. That tells us something about the spiritual condition of this place at this time. 
Have you ever felt inadequate for a call to service? I would imagine that's how Samuel felt when this call of the Lord came to him. And as I told you, this call would not be comfortable. It's taken a while, but the Lord has Samuel's attention. Let's see what the Lord says to him. Verse 11. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse upon themselves and he did not rebuke them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Okay, so we've got this boy. There hasn't been a prophet of the Lord for some time now. We, we understand that. And the one that shows up is called as a boy. And look at this first prophetic message that he receives. Samuel, that guy who's raised you, he's going to die. His kids are going to die. This isn't an easy call. This isn't an easy message. Remember, for all his faults, Eli has basically been Samuel's father. He has served at his father these early years of his life. And I'm guessing that Eli had a soft place in his heart for Samuel. And Samuel probably felt the same. I can imagine Eli looking at Samuel, even at this young age, thinking to himself, why can't my sons be more like this young man? There's a number of times in Old Testament scripture when speaking through, God speaking through a prophet, where we will hear of a message of the Lord being paired with ear tingling. Okay? There's, there's another one that, that happened in regard to a king by the name of Manasseh. He would later be a king in the history of Israel and Judah. And, and let me tell you something. When you see a message of the Lord paired with ear tingling, it's never, ever good. The point that it's making, it sounds a little strange to us, but it's this. It's it's the news that you hear is so bad that you have a physical reaction to the news that you hear. Everybody who hears what I'm going to do to this guy, they're going to hurt for him, even if they don't like him too much. Scripture doesn't say that Samuel slept peacefully through the night. I don't think it had anything to do with a comfortable or an uncomfortable bed. <laughs> Can you imagine sleeping the rest of the night after hearing that message from the Lord? Let's, let's, see, let's see what happens. Three, chapter 3, verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning. As they slept till morning, he lay down. Till morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. 
I mean, he knows that Eli's going to ask. I mean, Eli knows that Samuel has been called. I mean, remember, that night before, he went to Eli three times, and he's like, hey, it's not me calling you, fella. Young man, it's the Lord. He's got a message for you. You get your ears open, and you listen to it. And you know that Eli is wanting to hear what the Lord had to say. Let's see what he had to say. Verse 16. Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. He said, what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. I mean, after all, what else could Eli really say? We're talking about the Lord here. When the Lord speaks, good luck arguing with him. And, and, and Eli knew why these words were spoken. But can you imagine being in Samuel's shoes sharing this message with your mentor? Samuel's days as a prophet of the Lord would begin with great difficulty. But guess what? God was with him. Let's continue on through the remainder of this chapter, beginning verse 19. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as the prophet of the Lord. Guys, it's been a while since that's taken place. It's been a while since there was a prophet of the Lord. It's been a while since God had a representative, had a man there to lead. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I'll tell you something, guys. If you read through the remainder of First and Second Samuel, there's something that you will really see pretty quickly. Samuel's days as prophet, and he was a powerful prophet. But his days as prophet of Israel, and he wasn't just a prophet, he was also a priest. And he served as the priest and the prophet of Israel, and these days would not be easy or comfortable. Matter of fact, some of the messages that he would bring to the people or individuals, King Saul being one of them, would break Samuel's heart. His job would never be easy. You see, the call of the Lord, we learn from this example. There's a reason why we have this history, brothers and sisters. And history tends to repeat itself. And what we see about the call of the Lord, for Samuel, it was a time of crisis. And the call came to somebody who wasn't prepared for it. He was just a boy, and he didn't even know the Lord. And the call wasn't comfortable. And it was not easy. General MacArthur, that's what he had to say about, about crisis. He, he, he said this, he said, All tragedy, tragedy in the midst of crisis and war can be summarized in two words. Too late. I'll repeat that. All tragedy in the midst of crisis and war can be summarized in two words. Too 
late. You see, Eli lacked the courage to act upon God's call. He did not stand up to his sons. He did not lead his sons to a place of repentance. And his life and the life of his sons would not end well. Guys, the next chapter is pretty ugly. I'll I'll, I'll just summarize it very, very quickly for you. Um, Israel went to battle against against the Philistines. And they thought that this, this, this... Ark of the Covenant thing would help them out because in their minds that's like that's like they'd almost lifted that thing up to the to the place of it being God itself. All right, so so Phinehas and Hophni took that Ark into the battle with the army of Israel, and guess what? They were routed. His sons died. The Ark was taken by the Philistines. Now, Eli is is sitting outside the temple on a rock. I guess it was the best place to sit at the time. So, uh, the Bible says he was was a big dude, all right? Heavy. He was a big guy, okay? He wasn't going to stand very long. So, he's, he's sitting. He hears the sounds of war. He hears the war cry taking place. He knows something has happened because the cry got louder. It sounded like a cry of triumph, and I, I think he probably knows it wasn't the right people who won. So, news comes to him. He, t- he asks of the news. He's told that his sons are dead. And then he's told the Philistines have captured the ark. And when he hears this, it's interesting. It wasn't the news of his sons dying. It was the news of the ark being taken. And the Bible tells us he fell backwards off the rock, hit his head and broke his neck and died right on the spot. And so goes Eli and his line, snuffed out. It does not end well for Eli. He lacked the courage to act when the call of the Lord came. The question for us is this, what are we doing with the call of the Lord? Brothers and sisters, we're not going to stop talking about the call of the Lord, (laughs) okay? So it wasn't just a a short sermon series at the beginning of 2022 and we're going to put it behind us. No, we're going to continue to talk about this. You know why? Because it's important. You see... The call of the Lord always comes in this way. The first call that comes of the Lord is this. It's a call to life. Because when Jesus calls us to follow him, he's calling us to life. Abundant life. Now don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Sometimes life has a little bit too much life in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> But he calls us to life, and that life that he calls us to is eternal. You see, that's the initial call of the Lord. But the Lord doesn't just call his people back to life. The Lord calls his people to action. 